Welcome to the LabOp Leaders Series, a showcase of global change agents and experts in healthcare and laboratory management. Here's your host, LabOp Global Founder, Robert Farias. So we'd like to welcome to the LabOp Global Leaders Podcast, Susanti. Susanti, nice to meet you. How are you feeling today? Nice to meet you too, Robert. I'm fine. Thank you. Good. Susanti, let's start by introducing you to the audience. Can you give us a bit of your academic background, please? Okay, I'm a cancer researcher. So I originally come from Indonesia. My first degree is actually in pharmacy, which I did in Universitas Gajah Mada, one of the best universities in Indonesia. And then um, I pursue master by research degree in Australian National University doing cancer research. And then since then, um, yeah, cancer uh, has been one of my focus. And I continue uh, doing a PhD in University of Nottingham, UK, uh, more specializing in oncology. So I have PhD in oncology, uh, investigating like molecular and genetic aspect of colorectal cancer. Uh, I then continue doing uh, um, research as a postdoctoral researcher in the University of Nottingham. And so can you tell us, help us understand, uh, Susanti, why the choice of pharmacy to begin with? What was your first, uh, what first attracted you to it? Yeah, I love uh, science, biology, chemistry kind of things since like I'm a, I was a little girl. So something STEM, uh, like STEM uh, subject would be obviously my obvious choice. Um, obviously, uh, some of my, uh, like some people in my family, including my father, my late father at that time, obviously encouraged me to do medicine and things like that. But uh, medicine on density or veterinary but I just too scared of blood and things <laughs> like that so uh, uh, yeah uh, pharmacy is the other health related subject that, that I enjoy I know I would enjoy because it involves a lot of laboratory works and things like that so yeah a bit of, I was a bit of nerd since the beginning so okay. <laughs> And so, Suzanne, you made a shift from the pharmacy side towards biomedical research. Can you describe kind of what, what was your impetus for that? Yeah. So when I was in pharmacy schools, uh, we I spent a lot of time doing like chemistry, blah, blah, blah. Even I did mini project in like synthesizing a new compound and things like that. But um, I feel that I would love to to push to use my science to have a like closer to patient impact, mm-hmm. and for that uh, for that uh, reason, I think a biomedical research is some something in between like uh, that can translate <clears throat> the science uh, like heavy basic science mechanistic study nearer to the implementation in patient, for example. So, okay. yeah, that's the reason. And then the focus on oncology in particular, is there any rationale to that? Um, uh, I love, oncology is very complex uh, 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 science and cancer is 
heterogeneous disease and things like that. Uh, I really, as I said, mentioned before, I'm a bit nerd, so I enjoy like uh, dissecting like complex biology, signaling pathway, and things like that. So that's uh where that's why I start uh doing cancer research for my master degree. But then continuing uh. Uh, then continuing doing that for my uh, PhD degree, obviously there's another boost for for me to like more passionate about this field because um, after I finished doing cancer research, uh, research in Australia for my uh, master degree, I went back to Indonesia and I was diagnosed with cancer myself. So sure. I was diagnosed with stage three colorectal cancer, uh, before I uh, continue my PhD. I supposed to go home just for a break, but then during that break, I was diagnosed with the disease, and since then it's become my main main patient <clears throat> doing cancer research. That's um uh, sorry to hear that. I'm, I'm glad to see that things have seem to seem to have passed. And so, from your perspective, uh, would that is that obviously the 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 big push to create pathogen yeah obviously you got it right so like um there's a silver lining of all of the trouble that i have and then um some way sometimes i thought is is not a curse but it's also very challenging you know being a cancer researcher and suddenly you were diagnosed with cancer and be a patient. And then at that time I was treated in, in my home country, which obviously um, have a, like, uh, like um, we are in the resource limited setting. So all of my papers, journals that I read or some that I wrote even, it's just uh, not translated into clinical practice. There's a lot of challenge in between. And one of the things that I understand after I've completed or during, not even completed, like during my time doing PhD studying genetics is about diagnostic. So we, I know that some of the, the uh, genetic information actually necessary for the physician to guide for better treatment for cancer patient, better management, prevention even, uh, which is not uh, uh, reachable at the moment in many developing countries. So that's that's also the drive of uh, establishing PATCAN. So it's a okay. mix of me being cancer researcher as well as being put into a position as a cancer patient. So, so can you let us know how PathGen is doing so far? What's its what has been its milestones? What has it achieved in the past little while? So we I started PathGen with a pre-seed funding from Islamic Development Bank, and we started uh just before COVID. Uh, um, what you call it? Uh, what what is the what this thing lockdown uh, sure. before COVID lockdown worldwide? So uh, we incorporated in two thousand twenty, but then we have one one year or two years of COVID, but within that difficult time, we managed to slowly uh, and consistently do things, including transferring all my research uh, in technique, for example, uh, on uh, know-how, 
from the UK to Indonesia as and then building up the team there and then do the clinical validation using Indonesia patient, securing agreement with Indonesia government as well as Indonesia manufacturing side. Uh, we managed to launch the product just recently in July 2020. The product launched by in Indonesian National Cancer Center okay. and by by Indonesia Minister of Health. So considering all the the pandemic, we are all in pandemic and difficult uh, uh situations. I think we did quite well. Two yeah, years completed, and we got the product uh, IVD license, in vitro diagnostic uh, license. So it uh, already, uh, what you call it, legally uh, sure, sure. can be used by the patient. So I couldn't be more proud of my team in Indonesia. I'm sure that's an amazing accomplishment, uh, Santi. So can you tell us what's the future for PathGen? What is it? Uh, what are the aims next? What's uh, with this product out in the market? What, what do you take it from here? So we hope that we uh this product can be widely used in Indonesia and we hope that this can be included into Indonesia clinical or pathway for colorectal cancer as well as the finance it can be financed through Indonesia universal health coverage so it, we need to influence the policy uh, in that sense considering this product is the first uh, molecular diagnostic or genetic test for cancer, for any type of cancer being validated and produced locally in Indonesia. Mm -hmm. So it's a big, uh, what you call it, milestone and um, yeah, game changer in terms of health uh, service in Indonesia for, for cancer. So there's a lot of advocacy we need to do with regard to this product as well as uh, molecular diagnostic in general. And then in terms of research and development, we have several other products within our in, in our pipeline and my and our team in Patgen uh currently working on that. So we have lung cancer diagnostic. Uh, all our product is uh, uh affordable. We we that's what we want to make sure affordable, easy to implement, so we can uh have a wide implementation in resource limited setting like Indonesia. So we have lung cancer, uh molecular diagnostic in in pipeline, and then we also look start looking at prevention and early detection. So if you're aware, WHO is currently campaigning for uh, cervical cancer eradication or HPV mm. screening worldwide. So we are trying to provide the diagnostic as well for HPV-related uh, cancer. And that's what we are developing. And and uh, we also try to harness uh, artificial intelligence to build up like uh, uh, database to predict for uh, to predict uh, outcome for cancer patients. So it's like clinical decisions for algorithm. So yeah, there's a lot of thing in the oh. in the pipeline right now, but it can't be done without support. So I'm lucky that I have lots of support from Indonesia uh, colleague and collaborators. Great, no, that, and that's certainly a great accomplishment. And to do it all locally is also uh, probably something that many other countries would be a little envious of to be able to put all together in one spot. So that's great, uh, great for you to have achieved that. Yeah, the main thing for the one of the main um uh, what you call it uh, critical or important thing uh 
in for me and for Patjen, I think the way I envisage Patjen is we are uh, able to increase the capacity in in especially in research as well as in clinical um, molecular diagnostic affordability for patients in resource limited uh, countries like Indonesia or other developing countries basically. So we want to shift uh, or at least contribute if it's not shift, like contribute as well in research and development uh, uh, as well uh, as uh, uh, together with the more developed country because genetic at the end it could be something specific for each region so yeah. most of the genetic testing and genetic information of humans is based on uh developed country caucasian uh, uh what you call it caucasian heavy population demographic so it's very less uh, um we know about what's going on in other part of the world interesting and Susanti, so can you tell us then so some advice for uh the the young Susanti uh looking on at this or listening to this uh who's, who's thinking about a career in research who's interested in in the molecular world um what advice do you have for that person um if you love science i think it's very rewarding but i won't say it's easy so if you want like easy in terms of like financial uh, gain as well, for example, if you want like huge financial gain, don't do science. I think you need to jump into business or things like that. But it's very rewarding. So uh, if you like, uh, like science, you can do a lot, actually. So keep going and, and don't give up. And everything will be fine at the end if you... Uh, stay true to yourself and do your patience, even though it's challenging. <laughs> sure. That's it, uh, I would say. Susanti, to my old self as well. Susanti, just wanted to give you a chance to acknowledge any mentors or supporters who've helped you along the way uh, in your academic or professional journey. Um, I will start from personal first, if you don't mind. I need to acknowledge my mom. So my mom, my family... She is my main role model. I know it sounds cliche, but in my situation, really, my mom is the person I look up to. And I need to acknowledge as well the support and understanding from my husband and son. I'm a, um, it's no kidding that uh, coming from like Asia culture and things like that, or being a woman doing research uh, in which like, very intensive in terms of uh, time, being in the lab and things like that. Support from my husband and my understanding from my son is also very essential. And academically, there's lots of people like that that uh, obviously contribute to where I am right now. Uh, to name few of them is um, the thing is like I always appreciate um smallest thing that uh, people taught me and 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 yeah I have lots of uh, mentors but recently obviously I spent a lot of time uh, in Professor Mohammad Ilya's lab which is in Nottingham so he is one of my uh, main mentors uh, in terms of molecular diagnostic uh, things and I have 
great support from Indonesia ambassador in the UK where I'm based as well. They're facilitating a lot, teaching me how to navigate the policy and things like that. So shout out to Mr. Desra, Dr. Desra Percaya. And a lot of collaborators in Indonesia, like you could not imagine we've delivered uh, clinical validation up to IVD registration just within two years. There's a lot of position in highly reputable institution in Indonesia who supported me. Uh, um, yeah, my team, <laughs> there's a lot of people. I, I, I'm just so scared not to name anyone. So, okay. yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Well, we appreciate that, Suzati. I appreciate you taking the time for us today. So certainly congratulations on, on your success so far. It sounds like there's a lot more to come. Uh, and and we look forward to hearing about that in the in the days and months to come. And at the same time, um, we certainly hope that this introduction to our audience uh, helps somebody out there who's thinking about uh, exploring the same type of adventure you did, yeah. and, uh, and and considering either a career in molecular research or exploring maybe their own diagnostic company or trying to replicate what you did in Indonesia in their own country. So, uh, hope that uh, hope this helps somebody. Yeah, hopeful for that. Thank you. Thank you. To make a suggestion of someone that would make a great guest or topic you would like to hear more about, please visit us at labop.org. That's L-A-B-O-P-P dot -P org.